0: Welcome to Threads of Sustainability, where you get to hear the passionate, informative, and engaging conversations of creatives, makers, manufacturers, and producers from all over the globe. We explore what sustainability can look like in the quilting, fiber, and textile world, and I'm your host, Bridget O'Flaherty, also known as The Sustainable Quilter. I'm so excited for this week's episode. I think I say that every time I do a show, but I am excited every week, really, every time I'm doing an episode. I have fantastic guests, and this one is not going to disappoint you. I was in Vancouver in June, and I was there for Quilt Canada, and I got to go down to Granville Island and go to Maywa. And I got to meet with the company owner, Charlotte Kwan, and she is such an inspirational human being. She's been working hard for the last 30 years, I think, or maybe more, to bring sustainability to the dyeing and textile industry. She has a company that produces natural dyes and works with people overseas and works with artisans and farmers directly to make sure there's living wages happening. She's doing the whole package of sustainability. It's the whole thing of environmental, social, and economic Considerations and lenses that she's looking through. She shares so much of her information. She has so much that's available on offer on her website for you. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. It was packed full of such interesting stuff that I couldn't edit anything out, and it's the longest interview I've done up to this point. Anyway, I really hope you enjoy it as much as I did. The work that you do is just incredible as far as i can tell and i think that it's a really i think having the um manufacturers producers and the people that are suppliers of goods and materials that crafters use having them telling their stories is also really important so that people know they've got options exactly you know and they know that those efforts have already been done at the back end rather than trying to you know, the upcycling and recycling is fantastic. I think that that's yeah. a really great movement and great efforts towards sustainability. But we also have raw materials and new materials that we are using and utilizing. And, you know, I think we need to demand from our manufacturers and producers to do better.
1: Absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's where it all begins and ends is with our buying power yeah we actually are huge decision makers as purchasers in any field that we're in yeah and that would go for you know our field which we're big big and have been for 30 years proponents of slowing down the fashion industry and the textile industry yeah yeah um and and understanding that there's no accountability in there we can't depend on anybody doing it for us no and people often feel that, oh, what am I going to do? I can't, I'm i only one person. I can't change the world. And at, But actually, that's how the world changes, is that the grassroots. I agree yeah. completely,
0: yeah. I feel like those small actions really, really matter. And they start ripples within our own selves, our own individual lives. Yeah. They move into our communities, and they grow. Exactly. And
1: that is how change actually happens. That is happens. how change happens. Yeah. And there's been a huge um, disservice to People, workers, the, the environment, everything by the way that we do our accounting. And so that bottom line accounting is so out of whack. Yeah. That the only way we can do it is to say, well, I'm not going to buy that. I yeah. don't understand it. I don't know exactly where they're getting it from, how that fabric is made. I'm not getting any answers. I'm just not going to buy yeah and there's it's a, power it's in as that. easy as that yeah. you know it's like people complaining <laughs> when my kids were young you know all, all the parent teacher uh, meetings were about you know we got to uh like our, there's too much advertising on the t- television about you know sugar and cereals and whatever well there's an on off button too yeah turn it off
0: you can stop you can yeah. stop
1: and there is power in that there's, there's power in power that out. there's power you might not think you might think oh what is what is? I just want to get that fabric, and yet I'm pretty sure that surface treatment on it maybe is a chemical, or maybe is not. That all chemicals are bad. I'm not saying that, but maybe I don't know what that fire treatment is or fire retardant on that fabric is. So, yeah. what is that? That sounds nasty. Maybe I just won't buy it. Yeah. And you think that doesn't make any difference whatsoever? My three meters of fabric I didn't buy, but it actually does. Yeah, it, it sends does. a message. It sends it. a message, especially yeah. if you you know, ask the questions like we really uh, welcome questions in our company and we don't feel that they're negative or critical. Right. When people say, where do you get your cotton or how, yeah. how, you know, what is the certification of it or how is the, and sometimes we go, oh, or, you know, there was one person who started a huge thing in our company by just saying, "We okay, it's certified organic, but on the field, but where does it go after that to the yeah. gin to the weave to the mill is it certified and that's when we made a huge shift to understand that and realize okay certified organic cotton really doesn't mean anything yeah it needs to be triple certified at each stage
0: i love getting into the weeds of the technical stuff so you've got the yeah. certification of organic yeah, at the and production
1: you, stage exactly and in india um we work in india and you know it's it's not lost on anybody that there's a lot of corruption in India, but there's a lot of corruption everywhere. Sure. So I would not, we already made the decision not to get certification in India. We made the decision to work with a company that certified outside India and certified Indian on Indian soil. And the, it's very, very different. They had to be very sensitive because in India, there's not 500 hectare farms. There's five acre farms. Or five right. Acre it's all farms. individual, so it's very small, very small, family run. So they can't necessarily have the distance between chemical use on farms and non-chemical. Right. Use on okay. farms. There's not that trans, there's transition, but not transition of space. Right. Transition of time, though, with the farms. And so that particular organization who we work through, they also require the buyer, us, to buy the The cotton, basically, if we're going to buy 3000 meters of cotton, we have to buy it at the farm stage when it's planted. We have to put a deposit down to assure. So then it was because this question came up from a customer, because that happened, that's how we found this, um, double certified outside of India company that works certifying farms in India and was able to give us certification off the, off the land certification out of the gin when it goes to the gin and certification off out of the mail. okay. so we, we went on a huge learning curve. Uh, and so what and, does that look like? Like what does an organic
0: that's triple certified what what are they not doing or what are they doing that gets that to the organic?
1: If it's analysis. not triple certified or if it, if, if it is triple certified, so they, yeah, that it's insured. a little bit more dense as okay. far as what your certification, it's a more expensive product in the end. Okay. Because you could, it's possible to get it certified off the land, get your certification and then send it to a more cheaper gin that mixes. Okay. certified and uncertified cotton or that's sort co- certif- uncertified cotton is also ginned in the gin okay or in uh, okay in the so mail. it's not so staying cleanly be- organic exactly. okay i see and that might not be the case in say the eu for sure not um because their certification is of a higher standard perhaps, okay okay to put it in the put it gently um but in india yeah this is a problem okay, okay. and it was that kind of thought well okay i w- went outside of india to get for certification but maybe it's not enough so those are sort of the questions that come up from customers some of them it's just basic question and answer and we tell them but some of it makes you really think yeah so if so customers don't even understand how far they're in it we're not looking for unkindness (laughs) no of course (laughs) we're looking for kind for constructive for for constructive dialogue i guess with and the customer has a lot of power and the cusp but that power needs to be also like educate yourself yeah uh, be interested in the products and that has been our you know thing for 30 years but now it's you know i think i don't think there's a person that doesn't understand that that's we're getting to the end of our ability for cheap
0: blinders
1: yeah on what we buy yeah. yeah
0: okay so tell me a little bit about that history you've been here 35 years is that right 35 years yeah and you've always had a sustainability yeah uh,
1: that's the reason we started yeah Yeah, so tell me a bit about
0: those grassroots at the beginning stages what what like was it out of your kitchen like where how did you yeah
1: out of a student basement studio um i mean my my little bit for a very short story i was in printing Uh, i was in offset printing i was one of the first women to actually go through uh to get my certification to be an offset press operator on wow. large machines amazing yeah it didn't last long because <laughs> i at that time there was no protection no nothing not even we weren't even educated in that you know so environmentally and, it was yeah, not good for you no and i got uh blood poisoning that oh. ended up being quite severe and uh we have a wcb here so they worked compensation they were like you cannot never go back into that industry so i got retrained I got to choose and I went to Cap, Capilana College, which is now Capilano University, take textiles because I loved color. That's yeah. what got me into the printing, printing in the first, first place and being an offset printer and, and being in color control and that. But the, the, it was lead poisoning for the blood poisoning. So that was the lead based inks, which now are. Soy based. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's changed. Yeah. It's changed. So yeah. for me, that's what sparked my interest in color. And I love textiles. Went through the textile program at Cap College and then um, realized that my love was natural dyes. And even though they didn't have a big natural dye department, that's where I ended up. That, that was what my you love. Wanted to and focus that's on. what started the natural dye kind of journey for me and traveling and finding dyers and finding people who would committed lives to dying and i just have never left that
0: and so you started bringing in importing natural dyes that was always how i did it, both did you-
1: synthetic and natural okay. i was a synthetic dyer uh as well just kind of because there wasn't a lot of natural dyes i synthetic dyeing was taught in CAP and I brought in synthetic dyes and we gradually, only very recently, again, like you, we're not against anything, but we were really for the story of natural dyes. But at the time we started, oh my God, people had no idea. Right. Really very little idea. In every other, many other countries around the world, it was still deeply ingrained, but um, here it was, Indigo was a good foray because of genes, but all that's all synthetic dye, synthetic Indigo, but yeah, the journey has been long and wonderful, but I would say only more recently have I felt it's no longer a trend. It's it's a, it's a it's, it's embedded. It's yeah. embedded in our in the thought minds of people. Is this natural dye or is this not a natural dye? I yeah. mean, back in the 90s, there was a huge pushback from the synthetic dye industry against the natural dye resurgence in the West. And then you knew, we knew who were in it, where we know, okay, it's really making a difference now. If synthetic dye industry is pushing back, that's a synthetic dye industry. There was always the chemistry to make it better. There wasn't the will or the need in their minds. There was no government regulations, really. The EU led that, but not in North America and definitely not in the rest of the world because everybody just went to the rest of the world to be their back (laughs) factory use all the nasty chemicals that hadn't been yeah, yeah. you know sorted out. But the but the fact that natural dyes was becoming on people's radar meant that people started asking about the dyes, synthetic dyes getting dumped right. into waterways. Yeah. And what people were used. And why why could, you know, a lot of effort of a lot of good people be spent getting synthetic dyes cleaned up in the workplace and in the environment, but we could still import synthetically dyed fabrics that were not abiding by or not 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 being regulated right right so, so the stopped that. between yeah, there was a disconnect
0: absolutely to where the production yeah. was and where the you know absolutely where it was being imported to
1: but it's the people that started questioning yeah it's just like the slow foods movement the slow textiles or slow clothes movement um followed the slow yeah. foods movement so you
0: started in this small way that you mm-hmm. wanted to start bringing in these natural dyes and you did some synthetics at the time. And they how, were our gateway d- dye. Your gateway dye.
1: <laughs> <laughs> synthetic dyes. Keep people uh, coming in the door like and taking workshops. And
0: and so how did you, like when you, you decided to bring in a specific dye, how did you determine which farm which place are you
1: beginning it i bought through i had no contract with cerulean blue in seattle but i brought in all there they were the first people okay. in my life that um were sourcing naturally okay. i'm sure other people were but they were the ones i knew okay and i had a partner a loose partnership with them for years that we brought everything in and then they went in different directions and um i started looking for them that started me traveling visiting farms talking to farmers and mostly outside of north america okay yeah mostly outside of north america now we have a now we have a dye research garden have done for the last 10 yeah, years i was
0: seeing your, your yeah. post
1: recently yeah. About your, yeah. Your dye garden. yeah it's cold at the exciting. moment that yeah. dye garden is sad but <laughs> yeah. it's it'll come but we're doing a lot of research on what dyes potentially could be grown here nice and, and i'm quite involved in the in in europe and different european with different european researchers and so forth and we all our extracts are made some in germany and some in france and i'm very interested and inspired by their rule like by the what the regulations that they've put in place to help the natural dye industry to survive and, right, right you know it's they they it's it's deemed a rotation crop or if land has to be left fallow uh it can be dyes can be grown on it okay so so something some you know obviously every country has its farm regulations and so forth and we'd like to see that come back come to canada yeah and so and right now definitely that's, it's, some, it's not there but is, is there it's not there and it needs you know for farmers to take a chance farmers need funding for sure right is there an
0: appetite for it
1: um yeah, anybody we talk to that's a farmer goes, "You get that that that's how much I can get a kilo." I'm in. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they'd be
0: happy to have that as yeah. a rotational crop. Yeah.
1: So that's what our research dye garden is very much there for us to understand and to to see what we can grow on small small and just extrapolate it out. It's what how how we did it in India to get dyes or get farmers to grow dyes that they used to grow, but yeah, there was no market. But
0: now the market is bigger. Okay, so you are you're dealing with uh, farmers and hoping to be able to get those dyes happening here as a rotational crop. Not
1: all of them, but some of them grow oh, so in this zone. So that was my question five, for you. Yeah, what I'm wanting or, to
0: our zones. Yeah, what I'm wanting to uh, have an understanding is um,
1: what what kind of dyes are you seeing? For lots of reasons, dyes grow in certain parts of the world, and we don't necessarily always partner with farmers and work with them to grow things they haven't grown before. We'll partner also with other people around the world that are reestablishing agricultural color. Right. I guess is it for a good word. Um And so like our cochineal would never grow here. It doesn't grow in India, but we partner with those that are growing it and are really doing it in a great sustainable way. And we're not that interested in, in any of the foraging Kind of, I think foraging on a one-to-one case-by-case basis is good, but a company like us would be irresponsible. Any company, even as small as we are, would be irresponsible to forage without, um, with forgetting our dyes because we're buying the know, volume ha- is just half a ton to a ton yeah, at a time. and so, then so then that's not, another thing that we're really that's like um, not sustainable. <clears throat> harvesting. It's not sustainable, and yeah. foraging is a big thing now. It's a big, uh, it's a, it's a trend which might get some feet to it and and need to be regulated or self-regulated or something but a company should not do that i don't think yeah
0: yeah like i go into my backwoods and i I yeah exactly the golden rod and use the rod that grows on the yeah okay golden
1: rod might be the exception tansy as well there's a lot of it (laughs) maybe Um, but not really i mean then it it should be left for the for the individuals yeah It, it shouldn't be even you know i don't know the golden rod sweater company of you know whatever north america probably not right you know because they'd have to take so much and they might be impacting impacting so it would be like it would be
0: like doing monocropping almost right exactly just not doing Mm -hmm. it necessarily in a sustainable way Mm -hmm. yeah oh that's interesting i hadn't really thought about that perspective of it that
1: then, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we're looking at, like, we go and we work directly with the, far- every farm that we work with, every di- color that we bring in, we work directly with the farmers that That's are doing, doing it. Thing. So, and the last one has been logwood, which we, we're working with a, with a sustainable logwood, um, grower who's, who had it historically in their family. And now he's and his wife have moved back to Mexico and have started this, <laughs> fantastic um logwood but that was the one dye that for a long time we bought it from different places and we're told that it was you know absolutely sustainably grown but it was in areas that we couldn't actually go and Haiti being one of them and Nicaragua right being another. right exactly. dangerous areas yeah that we felt like oh, that's just not something we want to continue and then we got this great um partnership with 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 this family so but every dye that we we bring in we work directly with the farmer we're not just told and when farms when things come off the field we are there and right so one of the questions that i had um
0: is like the the environmental impacts you're you're being really careful about how that's being done you're looking for certifications on those various different sustainable things Mm -hmm. do you do you it, are there sustainable certifications on the dye harvesting or is it more? There just is. A-
1: we leave that a little bit at this point to the farmer. They're already taking such a chance um, right. growing a crop that we can guarantee our um, purchase capacity, but we can't guarantee that that would grow. Right. We're hope, we're hoping and that, that, but we're sort of leaving it up naturally, natural dyes don't need a lot of. They don't need the pesticides. pesticides They don't need pesticides. No, and they don't even need fertilizer. Okay. So, um, you know, they're, they're robust plants for the most part. Okay. Um, yeah. So that we, we watch, but getting certification. We've learned it from costs, doing it right? costs a lot of money yeah. and it has to be redone every year. Right, And so in the natural dye world, there's a lot of call for that, for sure, from the EU. There's a lot of call for that. And we're not there exactly. Yeah. We, we're very careful not to say You know, our indigo is certified organically grown and our henna is certified organically grown, but we don't even put that out there necessarily really in our, in our work because we don't want to make it so that everything, everybody is expected to do that at this point. Right. Right. But this, it's working towards that. And as farmers find that these crops are making them a good um, living wage, then. So that was my next will, question: is mm,
0: how how are you able to
1: like who determines what a living wage is? Oh, it's really easy to go yeah. into. We're having to do that all the time in India, because not every you know a living wage is very different from somebody living in the middle of Delhi to of somebody living in a village. But it's easy to figure out the living wage from from statistics and so sure. forth, and we're very interested in that and for and also because we work on the ground we're in communication i mean the last two years is the first time for two in 35 years that i haven't gone to india okay. regularly right right and so whether we're working with embroiderers or block printers or weavers or farmers we're always meeting with them and having large open meetings of having saying this is what we sell it for and this is why now let's go back to what you're charging us and see all that process and what that gets to, and and let's look at what you sell it to us for and what that buys you, right? And so and here's the stats for living wage. Do you agree? Do you not agree? And we just have we just sit and have endless conversations of cost- oh, that's costing. Awesome. And it's in, for me. It's it's as creative as being a dyer myself or being a weaver myself. Yeah, yeah. Is well, the costing and-, and how to change lives and how to change the world.
0: Yeah. Well, and and in the in the world of sustainability there's that those three pillars, right? There's the environmental, the economic, and the social. Yeah. And without all three, we don't have sustainability. Yeah.
1: And yeah. and you know, our econo- our the economics part of that for all of my life, I know it has not taken into consideration water. Yeah. land contamination and the use of Slave or borderline slave emplo- uh, employment. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And
1: so this is not, that's not accounting. That's not proper accounting. No, no. And that's something that we work as a group, uh, ourselves, and whenever we meet. We're a company. We have a foundation, but what you and I are talking about is Mewa LTD. Mewa is yeah. a profit-making company. Absolutely. And yeah. it is very inspiring to me that we can make a profit. Yeah, and so can everybody and still else contribute to yeah. the profit of the other exactly. people in, the, in that company. But we don't cha- have to do chain. it by yeah. you know. Uh, everybody who works here makes a living wage for here, yeah. and everybody who works here, including me and my family who own the company, you know, we just need as much as we need to live. Right, and if we want to go up, we need to think how I've always thought about it. Everybody has to come up, right, and that includes our. Maybe our dye packagers to the farmers we work with, to the embroiderers that sit in the villages and that. So for us, we, we actually have quite a deep and strong reputation in India for this and for these economic roundtables and economic and, 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 um, doing what we call master, we do master classes and all kinds of things, but we yeah. also do master classes in accounting. So yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. You've got like a, a university that you've set or a
0: college that you've set up here for education for people.
1: No, not here in Canada. No, yeah. we we link with the um, university UBC uh, okay. with their engineering department, and we have it's, it's a lovely, it's a wonderful uh, program where we go in and talk about real life problems that engineers love to solve. Uh, Real life problems in in, in an Indian village with all the boundaries and ramifications of what it is living in. Because what we see is tons of engineering projects in in India scattered around India. Great pipes, great things, great whatevers that can't be fixed, can't be used, can't be maintained. People on the ground aren't trained. And people on the ground who, who are trained, who went out there, were out there for six to 12 months, and then they've gone back to right bangalore or delhi or somewhere and the knowledge so, isn't and it all on. doesn't work yeah and we see this a lot so we that came up in a in a lecture and somebody a prof from the university said i need we need MeWA, and we need to partner with the engineer department in year three in 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 their third year okay so we do that um and give and give them context okay. of some of the what's what the actual problems on the world ground problems are. yeah, yeah. Um, and then we're, we work a lot in India doing education or making education available. And, uh, but it's more in the, in the, um, what do you call it? It's not, we're not like. Opening schools for girls or anything like that—that's right. not our thing. Right. But we are in the tech, not tech. What is it called? Trades. The trades. Okay. So we're in the trades, trying to keep people gainfully employed and uh, it be use, it be inspiring for their children to learn their trade, learn okay. their craft, okay, learn natural dime, block printing, embroidery, weaving. And is that done through your foundation? Through the, both. Okay. May was, uh, yeah, basically through the foundation, but May was the largest donor to the foundation up to okay. now. But okay. we do fundraisers and stuff okay. too as well. But, okay. Yeah. yeah that's, you do so
0: much. Like there's so many parts of the business that are just exciting to me. And, and Yeah. It's and, uh,
1: exciting to me, always has been. Yeah. And um, this whole little thing that we've gone through for the last couple of years was Pretty is it's the stunning. illness we will not name. Is that yes. the, one it- <laughs> <laughs> the plague or whatever. Yeah. Um it's was stunning to me because it hit us hard. Sure. Um as it hit everybody. Uh and I was pretty amazed at that at seeing that we were actually placed exactly right for the times. Yeah. You know, we were st- flexible, we could we could I like, Hate the word now pivot but we did um and we were working on projects that now I see like we're working on this large project in India where we're we have our own studio in India and our own what we call dorms which is for uh, staff but also for artisans we work with to come and learn whatever they want to learn like how okay. to export we want to directly export or how to do their books or how to do get a dye color that doesn't fade that's that they're having to, that is fading. So we have a studio, but we are, it's a working studio. So it's our sewing studio, but we have a dye studio. We work all over India with textiles and dyes, but all the textiles go to the studio for for making into garments or bedding or whatever. Okay. So that we're building a new um, unit because my we got we have four acres because I would really like to see prove whatever uh That we can work with a zero footprint. So nice. this is that next stage where we harvest water. So no more board bore wells. We want to prove that you do not have to live on a bore well.
0: Okay.
1: And that it can be harvested. It's expensive to build tanks. We're building tanks to hold the water. I mean, we have to do that here for God's sakes, because we get into drought situations in in the what do we call it the the uh, the rainforest of the west the um, Wet coast, the wet coast. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, and still run out of public, you know, water that where we have have to go under water restrictions. Okay, so in India, we're in the desert, and so water is a huge, 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 huge issue, and dying. Requires a lot of water. Um, requires a lot of water. So a lot of what we've done up to now is develop recipes that don't require a lot of water, but doesn't also require throwing a lot of chemicals at fabrics. Right. Because that's the new thing that the chemical industry that the textile synthetic dye textile industry is 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 fixing a problem with chemistry, but they've got usually another twenty years before the chemical is banned again. Right. So this is a this that cycle we'd like to not, of course, be part of as the solution, but instead use uh, solar which we have a lot of so, so solar energy and and water harvesting is our next that's and water cleaning so all the water will get cleaned so purification we have a, systems yeah we yeah. have a, well, that's already there um yeah and is that like plant.
0: a so is that like a tailing pond where you're doing a natural filtration or are you doing we mechanical no do nat-
1: natural filtration okay And so we're actually improving that next with, we have an engineer that's working on now one more layer of, um, of, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty easy because all our dyeing is, is natural. We, of course, use chemicals. We use mordants and alums and everything is chemical. chemical. (laughs) So we have that. And, um, we, you know, we still use ferrous and we, we, we take that out separately and then we filter that separately. So some of the things we're learning, about like with working with soda ash and all of those, we're learning about, um, how to separately treat them and building the tanks for that. So hopefully it'll be something that because we've done it, other people may be interested to do it. That's amazing. Yeah, I I think that, that was, I was hoping to be able to ask you those
0: questions about the, the chemicals that yeah. are in it. So I'm, I'm glad that you just brought that up naturally. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah, too. yeah, no because, way. There's
1: chemicals for sure. Yeah, natural um, dyes
0: are, just because they're natural. doesn't No, mean natural that, doesn't mean good. It doesn't mean that it's awesome necessary. because no. chemicals are, yeah. everything is chemicals. But
1: there's lots of ways to get your color palette safely.
0: And there's also ways to responsibly... um dispose of those wastes and neutralize those absolutely those compounds after the fact as yeah. well right
1: yeah absolutely yeah I want to
0: take a minute here to thank you for listening to the Threads of Sustainability podcast. I've really loved all of the interviews that I've done already and looking forward to doing so much more. If you're enjoying what you're hearing and you want to support the podcast, you can do that on my website at BridgetOflaherty.com. And you can buy me a cup of tea. I don't drink coffee, so I'd love a cuppa. And you can pay what you want. You can also follow, like, share the podcast episodes with a friend. I love getting your support and I love getting your feedback. Don't forget to send me an email and tell me what you think. And now we'll get back to more conversation with Charlotte Kwan from Maywa. Um, You have a mordant that is on your website, which I've tried and actually really love. And it is a natural mordant.
1: Simpocos? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. That is something oh, that, that's uh, available all over the world. But we get it from Babali, this organization started by William and Jean Ingram in Indonesia. And so they needed to, they, need, they had this dream, like all of us have these dreams that we'll throw a good 10 years at, uh, to stop them cutting this tree down um that was very necessary and because of that they re- they realized oh there's a whole group of dyers that use leaves they use the dead leaves that have fallen they crush them and it's the natural it's it's um alum accumulator right like tea like yes. the tea plant the bottom leaves are alum accumulators um to and because they they prove to the locals that this tree shouldn't be cut down for i think it was firewood or maybe pulp and paper i'm not sure Should be cut down. So it had more value. It had more value with letting the it just grow and the leaves fall and grow and the leaves fall. And that became the Bavali project. And it's this it's this it's Simplocos. And Simplocos is available in all over the world. It's amazing, uh, A, a yeah. variety. It's like an acacia tree in the sense that there's so many, or like eucalyptus, so many varieties. Yeah, yeah, no, I so, was so excited mm-hmm. to, to find that. And, and it I works, it. we find it works better on on protein than cellulose, but we're learning, the cellulose recipe is quite dense for people and we're doing a lot of testing about how to yeah. maybe make it a little less dense. But for people that want don't want to use alum, yeah, we don't have a problem using alum but uh, uh, aluminum potassium sulfate, but people want a pure plant project It's or product. It's a, it's beauty.
0: Yeah. Well, I was really excited by it mostly because of the, um, the offshoots of supporting this effort in the country where it's grown. I got that. It, that's felt really great to me. And that's yeah. the
1: strongest projects that you can ever build Are those small projects that mean so much to the local community. So that like this water harvesting every farmer on for kilometers in all directions from us are watching it. Right, because they will be able to then replicate mm -hmm. that and use that in their own. Because bore wells have gone from, when I was first in India, bore wells were 25 feet, they're now 350 feet. Wow. There's not even sweet water in our area to drink. Wow. In India, whereas it used to always be. Okay. Yeah, and so bore wells are not regulated. They try desperately, but water is so necessary. People will go to all kinds of even illegal activities of drilling a bore well there. And that's not just India. It's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we need water. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, we have a we have a, a, a dried up like we're on the edge of a river bank that's long dried up um, every once in a while. We have a big monsoon there that we see the river come above ground very little. But when we talk to the engineers, I mean, I kept, couldn't talk to you too much about the water and everything. But we have a whole group of engineers advising us as far as the um, and building as far as water treatment and and tweaking it and so forth. But they really believe there's a chance that the that this project could change the water table amazing yeah if and enough farmers stopped up. using their bore wells and instead there was a program to help them finance uh, what used to be called step wells which right. are now we're just which are now called you know underwater under 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 um, ground water tank storage tanks okay. but they're expensive for a farmer to build we sure. we know that now or, or always have, but we, we're building ours of 1.5 million liters. But in, in a monsoon, that's easy to get. Uh, it would just be, you know, instead what happens in the monsoon, India and lots of countries will get so much rain at one time yeah. that it's destructive. Right. Yeah, and so uh, just, this it can, can, sto- soils can stop and, that. It's yeah. not like it's, there's not enough water going into the underground. It's just there's not enough underground capacities for for water to go to. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's what these stepwells were always so brilliant. They're all old stepwells are all over India, but they were the water storage tanks and they kept the And are they able
0: to uh, repurpose those or
1: refurbish those to be useful again? Some of them, but they're... If there's, if people are drilling bore 250 foot bore wells around them, they're not going to fill. Right. They're not going right. to fill. And ours has been redesigned. It, it is actually a step well underneath the ground just for the aesthetic of it, but it's covered because of the, okay. um, because of the evaporation. and Right. All. Right. So, uh, so we feel like ooh, maybe this might be the start of something kind of exciting. That we haven't, you cannot destroy a well in India. So on the property there, we have a 80, well and um we're very excited to see if that might fill okay just from being a localized well that we're not taking not we're not into. tapping into the groundwater we're just harvesting from roof water rainwater. Okay. water
0: and do you have like a lot of people will have programs set up within their retail uh sales that funnel funds from the retail into those
1: projects is that how you well everything who may what is, has funneled pro- all of our profits go into that. We pay our obligations, of course, so our mortgage payments and our rent and our and our and our um, staff and all our overhead and of course the cost of goods and everything. And then anything that's left always has gone back into it to that research mm-hmm. and into understanding yeah. that. Yeah, yeah.
0: And do you have a, a place where people who are your customers might be able to contribute? In terms just of through the foundation just yeah the, the foundation,
1: foundation and okay. that's online and and we get a nice healthy contribution to that that's awesome we haven't in during covid and I totally understand that people were very careful and um and so and we haven't really even been able, able to do our wonderful like auctions or or fundraisers and stuff right us, but that'll come Challenging. that'll yeah. come and we're we're nicely supported by a couple of very generous, generous people. people yeah that's awesome yeah
0: do you so you have online a manifesto yeah can you tell
1: me a little bit more about how that came well it was interesting uh in that kind of spread of that page that has all kinds of books and yarns and inspiration in that there's a little green book And it was like the size of a. actually i based it off the size of a cd case at that okay. time you know yeah um and uh it was me, it was a little book that we produced way, way early on with me trying to figure out where I belonged in this world of being fascinated and absolutely le- learning so much from dyers from different parts of the world. And of course, primarily India for me, because I got, I fell in love with that country 30 some years ago. And, and did I belonged it was a it was trying to figure out what uh a white woman uh working in india what was my role where did i belong it's very personal yeah and um and it and so we we missed our 25th we like we gotta do something for our 25th anniversary and we're like oh, we're 28. <laughs> so this is time t- went by there. Miss that. So then when we got to our 30th, um, one of our, our, our creative uh, director, she said, um, we should, we should revisit that manifesto. It always was something I went back to when I wasn't quite sure if these graphics were may or whatever. Right. And so she said, we should revisit it. And so it was revisiting the quiet manifestos. It was My original one was The Quiet Manifesto, uh, The Preservation of Craft. We told told stories and then all the artisans told stories, told what Mewa has meant in their life. And so that's what kind of came out of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's it's really lovely read.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you also have on your website an enormous amount of education materials for people to know how to use your dyes
1: absolutely and free education has really been important to us i mean of course we're if once we have you know there's a certain amount of our of our profits uh, from our heads or from our uh, certain amount of money from our profits that goes into free education and then obviously i'm you know we also give we used to do in-person workshops and uh that was sad that, that that was a consequence of, um, of COVID. And our, it was stunning to me to build a school for 10 years and a school that had such depth. And, and people came from all over the world to, to learn natural dyes. And we made those workshops were unbelievable. I can only imagine. Unbelievable. Would, they would, were so, you know, it was I was. to me to that, Yeah, it was important <laughs> to me that anybody who walked into a classroom knew, oh, doesn't matter whether they had flights were late, their Airbnb didn't, didn't look very good. But when they walked into this classroom or other classroom in, in our studio, that they knew they were in absolutely the right place in their life and to be. And it, they were incredibly well organized and well and amazingly well. Um, what do you call it? Like supplies and everything were the high, really great quality teachers great quality. amazing. And it, when it shut, it was our biggest hit financially because it shut at the, we all, it takes so much to put something like that on. It's all front ended. So we'd already printed 10,000 calendars, mailed out 10,000 calendars, hired all the teachers, done all the, uh, you know, all the flights and then cut all the fabric and prepped everything. And then at the very beginning, it was canceled. 640 right. students had to refund, wow. took out loans and everything and did it. But it was, And them dealing with our own, like, we were shut. The stores were shut. Tours were canceled. Textile tours were canceled. And it was like, shoot. uh, Where is this How do we pivot on this? this? Yeah. Yeah. But it became, I don't know, I'm so grateful to have, like, from the, we were quarantined the minute we came back from India. Sure. I had stopped in France and England yeah. <laughs> on the way back to oblivious. Everything was to me happening in Italy and Spain. I was in Italy. Yeah. Okay. So you I got, got you the,
0: got the news. <laughs> I got home the day they shut Venice, and I oh left Venice two hours before they closed the airport. Yeah.
1: That's so. Crazy. What date is that?
0: The twenty second of February. Okay. So
1: we were the. 9th of May, we were in London, flew from London, from India to London, went to Paris. Nothing was closed. We got closed on the 14th of March, Paris closed, and we had our flights out and then we came it was my kids who said mom you're gonna have to quarantine as soon as you get to the airport they're gonna quarantine you because of where you've been wow. we filled your your flat for, for me and my husband they, we filled your flat everything's fine but you will not be able to come to work or anything wow. so i'm like you guys okay. are taking this a bit serious
0: <laughs> right and then yeah then two years later
1: yeah and um, i sort of thought i was in that quarantine time where i said to to my husband i said i want to change everything i want to change everything I want to change the structure. That I want to change. You know, one store's got to go. I want to put the classes online. We've only got two months to do this, and we just started recording classes and so forth. And then we okay. ended up having two years, so we we ended up getting five workshops online, seven free ones, and we've got two more we're working on, and another six free ones. I think that's amazing. and so free, yeah, for 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 sure, free. And we also redid that whole site, naturalize.ca, which is all our recipes, which is free. And uh, we redid that, had a chance to redo that. We worked on that all of June and July and August, I think, of the first year, 2020. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. They, got they got all the all amount of tight. information that's on there is just incredible. And yeah. The, it's the... I love the imagery that you use also in all of the, all of the documents that you've got there and you've got videos available for people that just make it really clear. And again, the imagery is just, it's delicious. Yeah, we want to make it delicious. And it's
1: one thing why I wanted to start the school and the, and have the symposium and the lecture series and the exhibitions and all of that was to help. people who are in textiles and not in textiles to know that it's so incredibly important it's professional it's important it's changing the world yeah and we wanted to do everything in that level that we believed it and we wanted everybody else to believe in
0: that's amazing yeah
1: Yeah. i i just I, i I admire you so very, very much.
0: And I'm so thrilled that you let me come here and talk to you. Oh, and, and this is one of like very few, I rarely do live interviews right. with people because I'm like in person. Interviews. Oh, this is
1: the first one I've had uh, live. I've had interviews usually on Zoom, Zoom yeah. right? And uh, it's this lovely. And I it's, kept looking at your email. Is it live or yeah. is oh, she going to be calling in?
0: <laughs> yeah, No, I'm coming here because I happen to be here for Quill Canada. Right. So it it's just right. was perfect timing and just so, so grateful grateful that you're willing to take some time to oh, talk right to me on, and I think it's a really important story and the idea of sustainability for craftspeople and giving them options of knowledge to make changes that they might want to yeah, make.
1: because they've got the biggest vision yeah they see both worlds yeah they see the consumer world they see the craft world they see the they see the inspiration of craft and and the arts and the amount of hard work it is yeah they see all of that but it's also so exciting they have eyes both ways and that really really helps the general public
0: yeah yeah and i think that artists that are out there who are making the change towards natural dyes really want to know where their options if they're making that change to option to natural dyes they want to know how do I know that these are actually the exactly. natural dyes that I want to use?
1: That and how do I protect my work so that, you know, I'm using the right recipes. And you will never get all, you cannot turn a natural dye into a synthetic dye in, its, in all its attributes. It has a different story. People always ask me, how can I scale up? Or, you know, I get asked probably monthly by industry. Can you come and consult on how we can, you know? And introduce natural dyes into our, into our systems and machinery. And we, and they'll always tell me, we, we, so just so you know, we don't want it to fade. We don't want it to, um, we want it to be washed fast in all levels of detergents and everything. I said, no, then the natural they dyes is not. For the they want it to behave the same. They want to behave the same. They don't want to change anything. Right. But industry wants the story badly of yes. natural dyes. And I'm here to say that ain't your story. Yeah. That story belongs to the artisans and craftspeople and people who will work to, Use natural dyes to slow down the fashion industry, to slow down the textile industry and to help bond the consumer to the ideal they have of themselves as, as consumers. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I and know, they want
1: to make change. Every consumer if you said if you could make if you could use your money to make a difference for for better would you or would you choose not to? They would always choose, no, I want to use my money to change the world.
0: Yeah, and but I don't do want to be
1: poor because of it and I don't want to lose money. I know all of these things. But natural dyes that's their that's the beauty in the story of natural dyes and it doesn't belong to industry.
0: No, I yeah, I agree to and I there's a real... Not until industry changes, right. at least. And there's a real uptick in in awareness now, I think, of the... And sustainability is almost becoming a buzzword.
1: Yeah, just like organic or natural or
0: whatever. Yeah, and and, and it can easily be misconstrued. And if somebody uses the word sustainable in whatever their product information is, people will just assume, oh, well, if they've said it's sustainable, it must be. It must be, yeah. Um, But
1: the flip side of that is people will eventually go... Well, what is sustainable, anyhow? And they'll question it all over again. Yeah, as, which is why I'm having
0: these kinds of conversations. Yeah, exactly. So that people can be armed with a little bit of information mm-hmm. on on how to take. a Yeah, look at
1: nobody's it. doing it perfectly, but no. but there's so many good people out there doing a part of it all, and we're all hoping that it will. We'll all join as well. No, yeah. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt in my mind. Same here. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I I really strongly there's believe there's a new it.
1: generation of people that care that really do they really care they and they're the younger generation are and i'm talking like 20 to 30 maybe fives or so they're so they're they're deeply kind yeah and they're deeply uh supportive of people who are and inspired by people who are you know starting a new business or selling something on etsy or selling something you know not in the conventional way of yeah of, of where you say oh you got you sold it to that store so you only got 50 percent, and then the store makes this and did it No, that whole thing they're they're, they're breaking down uh, somewhat the, um, infrastructure of how things well, and I think, change hands. Like I've got sell. kids in
0: that age range mm-hmm. and what I'm seeing coming out of them and the conversations their friends are having is this idea around communal effort.
1: Exactly.
0: And yeah. it's, it's changing away from yeah. the individual mindset yeah. and and it's about how your friends are impacted or how your community is impacted by the choices you're making.
1: Exactly, and it, and it is a really and it's different, your community. Yeah, yeah they really, really get community in that sense. And
0: I think it's I, yeah. I think they are going to change the world. Yeah, I yeah. That's Unfortunately,
1: weird. it's their burden. <laughs> but I, sorry, <laughs> we tried. Sorry. We're still trying, and we're going to you know support you on that. Then. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, it is. Um, well,
0: and I think some of the efforts that are being made by um, our generation and you know some of these slightly older baby boomers were. Trying to lay those foundations absolutely. of of changing grassroots efforts were started through those communities, and, and there's I,
1: been a lot of good people doing that, and they yeah. need to not get forgotten. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for yeah. talking to well, me today. Thank you. It's really, really,
0: <laughs> it's really lovely to talk cool. with you. Right on. <laughs> um, and
1: so I'm just going to do the quick thing. How can people get in touch with you? How can they find you? Well, maybe online. You know, and here's I'm going to just take a bit more of your time absolutely. to just. Uh, to, to go, to to say what we've gone through. I get people who don't want to go online and I get people who want to have nothing change and the stores remain and the restaurants remain and so forth. But seriously, online isn't Amazon anymore. Online is a lot of small businesses who have pivoted and survived what we've all gone through in the last two years. And if we get it all the time with people coming through and don't tell me to shop online, you know, just don't. That's a, that's too bad because you're going to miss a lot of, small people surviving there's a lot of creativity going on online that has yep. never happened before yeah and so yes you can find us at maywa.com online um Maywa teach maywa.teachable.com uh for our web for our teaching platform we use the teachable.com platform and there's lots of free workshops there yep. as well as there's um chargeable workshops and our workshops online workshops are unbelievable they're awesome. just oh so, i just can't say enough they're very, very different, and they're very deep and in depth. Every module there's about eight to ten modules per workshop. They drip once a week, and every one is full of PDFs. And teachers answer questions three days a week. Amazing. Um, through the ten weeks, and once a week, you have it for three for three years. So once a week for another year, and it's it's i I'm so stunned as a teacher myself to the. What has happened by making it available to the world and to have a cohort that goes through and they're from, you know, Sri Lanka and Pakistan and Argentina and Mexico and America and Canada and France and Norway and the cohorts that go through bond so beautifully it's amazing so it's just like an in-person but different and it's that community it's that community and we've always been able to build community yeah so we've i feel really strongly that all the teachers all of us that teach online and all that has gone into the rating of them the filming the editing the music the everything is first class and yeah. so very excited about that and there's lots more in the pipeline and the one that's coming up now is actually just on the desk here what's it called it is we've just finished writing it Al- uh, naturalized alchemy chemistry and craft amazing and um that will talk about all the chemicals that yeah. go into natural so-called dying um and the history and so forth and also going forward helping people understand all of that and then you can find us on Instagram. We have three handles, and of course Facebook and all the others. There's lots of community, lots of ways, ways, to, ways to, connect to connect and find with us. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, that, your website is is just yeah naturaldyes.ca is is it's a not you know that's not where we sell anything. It's all our recipes, all our information, so and much it's information updated there. monthly. Yeah, it's- like everything that we learn and put we put in there.
0: Yeah, it's an incredible wealth of information on yeah. that it, it's really amazing yeah 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 i've been i've been a purchaser of your dyes for several years now it's when i came back into my quilt world after going off and doing work work mm. and kids and all that stuff i came back into this world and um really wanted to bring the sustainability into what i do with my quilting and right. textiles and really wanted to shift towards those natural dyes and took some natural dyes co- courses and that kind of stuff and then started playing around with it in my own work and and what I do on, I haven't stepped to the teaching natural dyes yeah. <laughs> yet, but I, um, I definitely incorporated in all of my own uh, work that right I do on. and love playing with it. I did have a little issue with some fugitive work that happened with an indigo, which was really strange. Indigo's, it left, it, it, it left my peace. It's yeah.
1: Gone <laughs> yeah. It depends on how it's neutralized, but also we're realizing, you know, just even that ozone level the whatever the air is yeah. treating indigo a little bit different because we can wrap it all up but still it can have a fade problem yeah but we're doing a lot issues. of testing in that and part of that is is the high ph and how you get your ph so calcium hydroxide is how we do so it's sometimes it's a problem if it's not fully neutralized yeah whatever. so i
0: obviously did something wrong Because yeah. it left my art pieces and yeah. i was a little, <laughs> a little upset about that i'm gonna have to go over them now with like ink tense pencils or something and cut them back but my, my blue left yeah. Um yeah. anyway, thank you really pleasure so so much for this i i can't wait to go downstairs and walk walk through the shop right on and uh, and <laughs> it's see a great team
1: down there <laughs> yeah and see
0: all of the fabrics and you've got finished clothing too so we're yeah, going to talk about do. that just a little bit tell me about your finished clothing the stuff finished that you bring clothing
1: in. so that was fine trying to you know at first we we were, we had bedding so we work with artisans and we're always working with artisans who either have never left naturalize or are willing to return to naturalize so bedding was a natural for that organic yeah. cotton and bedding but it wasn't quite enough to see sustain all the artisans we were working with or who wanted to who wanted to start working with us so fashion is like like oh my god (laughs) so um i used i initially did or used to do all the design of the garments and so forth to make it possible so just simple classic styles is what has always been our thing now my daughter safina has taken over all of that all of that is um, based on the fact that we want, I mean, some of our stuff is even hand spun. So it'll be hand spun or mail spun, hand woven, uh, naturally dyed, sometimes in the yarn stage, sometimes by block printing or, or fully full uh, immersion dye. And, uh, and then we cut all the fabrics and sew them into garments in India, in our studio, okay. uh, just outside Jaipur and so we're always looking to create as to invite and pull in as many hands as absolutely possible and not into the clothes into the fashion industry and not make those hands simply labor but right. it's actually their skill and not dividing their skill at all so not we don't do we we work with um you know weavers who will weave everything that's not just uh hand weave everything it's not just partial like uh we don't factorize anything. Everything right. stays in the village if it's meant to be, if it comes from the village. And then also even how our sewers work is we do a lot of hand work and so forth and hand embroidery and, when we do embroidery, it's really important that the embroidery speaks to who has done the embroidery, not just by a name, but oh, this is Jat embroidery, this is Muthlo embroidery, this is, you know, and the the community that has built that embroidery of language, like the community that's built the uh, the weave structures and so forth. People could recognize you who can that tell is. where it's, it's not coming divided from. Divided and basically, right. I call it factorizing. Right, where you take people that are highly skilled and move them to the city and put them in factories. And yeah, no, it's more it's so artisan divided, It's, it's artisan. artisan work. Yeah, yeah. And so the and we also do a whole line of clothing for that's like natural fabrics and naturally sewn with natural threads. Uh, so that people who are doing and it's all in blanks and beautiful diff- different types of beautiful fabrics so that artisans can buy them and and do their own work on them so those are that's our blank line amazing mm-hmm. so clothing is something of course the biggest amount of clothing is online and what we what our st- shop is is a showcase it changes weekly it's a showcase of who we are so it's got di- dyes from the farmers and it's got sewing materials and it's got clothing and running fabric and Everything. Amazing.
0: Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Yeah. I can't wait to go. And yeah. It's look through everything <laughs> and, and see what those in place. Yeah. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can't thank you enough. This is, you know, when I get to meet people like Charlotte and hear about the efforts and the dedication she has to making a difference in people's lives, I feel like, there's really hope for our planet. And it makes me feel very um, excited about our future when we have people like that working that hard to make a difference in people's everyday lives. It's really inspiring. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been really enjoying bringing these to you. If you want to join a community where we're talking about sustainability in quilting and textiles, and if you're on Facebook, you can come on over to my Facebook group. And it is the Sustainable Quilting and Textiles group. And I'd be happy to have you in there and join the conversation that we're having on a regular basis about different ways we can be sustainable in our world. If you're interested in the community that engages with sustainability in quilting and textiles, you can join the learning hub at bridgetoflarity.com. There you will find memberships, online courses, supplies and resources for sustainability and my textile art. You can also book me to speak with or teach your group. You can find me on social media at The Sustainable Quilter. Don't forget to comment, like, and share and to follow me on your favorite podcast app. So you won't miss an episode. Thanks for joining me, and I'm so excited to share this journey with you. Until next time, happy stitching.